So get your Bibles out. I want to share a word with you leading up here to communion. Now, I want to make this known. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're more than welcome to have communion with us here at the end of service. We have an open communion service here at Living Waters. You don't have to be a member of this church to have communion. Uh, I once was rejected in a church that wouldn't serve me communion, and I was the, I was a hot, fired up young man, believer in Jesus, and knew I was headed to heaven. But they wouldn't serve me communion because I wasn't a member of that church. We don't do that here, okay? If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're welcome to have communion with us. If you're not sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, well, you're in a good place today because I want to tell you at the end of this message how you can meet Jesus. Amen. So you can know and you can come have communion with us. So I got I to gotta just start this message out by telling you just a little bit of something um, because there's too much. If I try, I'll, I'll spend all of my time trying to uh, give you all the details if I go through every scripture. So you can find over in the book of Exodus chapter 26. You can also find over in Leviticus chapter 16. Y'all can just go back and read those chapters. Look at them on your own. It's all about the tabernacle of God. And you got to understand something when... When the children of Israel, you know, went to the, the, to the Jordan there, getting ready to cross over the promised land, and they messed up. Remember, the spies went over, they came back with the big old, big old uh, grapes, you know, on there that looked like watermelons, you know. And I mean, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's all great, but there's giants, and they wouldn't go into the land, right? Well, then, so they were, they were doomed to walk in the wilderness for 40 years until... They all died off, and there was only the, the next generation, okay? Well, but through there, God had instructed them to build a tabernacle, build this tent. And it was really a beautiful thing because uh, it was very intricate. Uh, all of the tribe of Levi had specific duties. Some of them were in charge of the floorboards. Some of them were in charge of the curtains. Some were in charge of the rings that held the curtains. Some of them had to pull the nails out of every one and uh, all the floorboards, and there was all this intricate stuff, and then there was the articles that went in the tabernacle. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing to study and look, and I know there's great books out there that just give you all the details and stuff of that, but, you know, there was also furniture that went with it. They were constantly moving the furniture in there. They had tables. They had uh, lampstands. They had, then you get into the ark. They had the ark of the covenant, you know, and so they had all these things, and it had to be put up I mean, exactly. There was no like, I don't know, let's pitch the tent here, right? You know you know how sometimes, I don't know what kind of carpenter you are, you know, you just cut it off and you just hope you were close, you know? And so that was none of that going on. So you can read about all of that, about the tabernacle. But I want you to understand this, that if you would have, okay, so let me say one more thing. Just like you look at the cross and the, the rock wall over there. The, the children of Israel were set with, they had to put their standard down with their, like the, the tribe of Judah was a lion. They had their banner with it like that. And then all the children of Israel, I mean, all the, the tribe of Judah, they camped in one spot. And then there was Benjamin and all the 12 tribes camped around. And if you go and you add it all up in the numbers of it, it would have been if you flew over at Ariel, you could have looked down and it would have been the cross with the tabernacle in the center and the tribes of Israel all off, and there would have been a giant cross in the ground, you know, if you could have looked at it. They didn't have an airplane. They didn't know that. We look backwards, and we look at it, and we're like, oh, my gosh, look. 
But they were just like, okay, let's see, which way is north, south, east, and west? They just had to get their coordinates up. And then they were, so many were camping on the east side, so many on the west side, so many on the north side, so many. Tabernacles in the middle, boom, they were forming a cross and they never knew it. Just like God's moving in our life sometimes and we never know it. Just like you're driving your car down the road and an angel saved you from a wreck and you didn't even know it. And you might have been praying, God, why don't I ever see you move in my life? I want you to do something. And he's like, we saved you three times today. Are you with me? Because we have this dimension, this difference between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And we're going along thinking, well, this isn't right, this isn't right, and this isn't right. I got, I was thinking the other day, see, see, I get, I, I love y'all. Y'all are, y'all, are, y'all are not just sheep to me, you're family to me. And so when you're grieving, you're hurting, I'm grieving, and I'm hurting. And so, I'm, and, and that's why the Apostle Paul said, yeah, they beat me with stripes, they beat me with rods, they did all this thing to me, and then also comes the burden of the church upon me because I care about y'all. I want to see y'all blessed, and I want to see, I really want to see everything going perfect in your lives. I wish I had the magic pixie dust I could throw on you and everything was just always perfect. And you had no, no, no things, but then that's just me. Even God knows that we have to walk through trials and tribulations because he says it builds our faith. But I don't really want you. If I had the ability to keep you from ever going through a trial or tribulation, I'd do it. I would. And so, so many times that I'm, I'm, I'm praying for y'all, I'm thinking about y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm interceding for the church, I'm interceding. I always think that if just, just the glory cloud fell, everything would be okay. And this, then the Lord gave me this message. And I was like, Lord, every time I think that I got something I can hang on to, you just kick the bucket out from under my feet. He said, yeah, Robert, what happened right after the great revival of, of the, the Holy Spirit falling in the day of Pentecost? I said, man, people got saved. Then they were all together and all sharing everything, and it was glorious. He says, yeah, how long did that last? I said, well, they made it to at least chapter 6. And then you got a story of Stephen, seven men full of faith and power and doing miracles and signs and wonders all in front of the people, yet everybody was complaining about they weren't getting fed right. They're getting more, though they got a better piece of bread than I did. Yet Peter's shadow's just passing people and they're being healed. Oh, well, then let's back up a little bit. You didn't make it to really Acts chapter 4 until Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in church because of their wicked scheme they had going. But there was revival. People were getting saved by the masses, healings. All of this stuff was being done. And then the Lord took me, showed me this message. And so let's just pick it up in Exodus. 13. I want to show you the Old Testament before I get to the New Testament. Exodus 13, verse 21. And so there's all these, here's the children of Israel. They've not going into the promised land, all right? But God didn't forsake them. And Exodus 13, 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from the people. So here's this tabernacle they built. They got this thing going. They got this cloud. It's God. Are you with me? It's not like a puffy little cloud. It's the glory cloud of God. And it's over the tabernacle. And if the cloud moved... Then the children of Israel, they were supposed to move. Hey, the cloud's moving. So they went out there. Everybody did their job. They picked up the tent, and they followed the cloud. 
And if it was at night, you could get out of your tent door, just like that cross, wherever you were positioned, you could open up your tent door, and you could look over there, and there would be the, a, a literal fire, a cloud, but it was a fire, over the tabernacle. Now, folks, that's pretty supernatural. Are y'all with me? Let me read another one. Look at Exodus 23, 20. Exodus 23, 20, it says, Behold, I will send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place in which I have prepared. Now beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites and to the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Now, wait a minute, folks. We're talking about the angel of the Lord. We're talking about the pre-incarnate Christ. We're talking about Jesus in form because God says, I'm going to be in him. And it's a capital A. You got a glory cloud. You got a pillar of fire. And you got an angel. Now, do you notice it says, now don't provoke him. Don't poke the angel. But do what he says. So there was communication back and forth. Are you following me here? This is pretty supernatural, don't you think? I mean, you had to instruct the kids. Don't throw rocks over there. You might hit the angel. Right? You had to make sure that, 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 that the angel, I mean, it was a, it was a, there was an interaction with the angel. Y'all following me? This is not a fairy tale. This is not just a story made up to tell your children. This comes out of the Bible. Y'all with me? It happened. It was real. Yet the children of Israel, oh, here, let's throw another one. I, didn't, I thought about this during praise and worship. The manna fell from heaven, and they go out and gather it up every day. All these supernatural events, the quail came in, and they had quail, right? Yet the people rose up. And got mad at Moses. They got mad and they murmured and they complained. The earth opened up and swallowed them up. I mean, how supernatural is that? It says it swallowed them up whole. Like, like they went to hell, like on a straight shot, like stepped on the trap door and shumba went down. Not like it was an earthquake and they're like, ah, and fell in the hole. All this is going on? And, 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 and they're still grappling and complaining. They still can't get off. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Yet they couldn't get along. They couldn't go. They couldn't move. They couldn't, they couldn't function without there being a problem. And so the Lord sort of showed me that it's taken me out of this thinking of mine that all it has to take place is some supernatural events and everything lines up. How much more supernatural events could you get right there? Are y'all following me here? I mean, I'm preaching good. I'm giving you some good stuff here. And I said, Lord, why? Why couldn't they? What, what's the deal? Is it just that they're hard-hearted? Is it just that they're, they're you know, they're, they're just stupid? What is it, Lord? And he said this. It's because they only looked left and right and never looked up. In other words, when they got out of their tents in the morning, they were just looking at what was going on left and right. They never looked up and saw the cloud. They never looked up and saw the angel. They never looked up. 
And he said, that's what's happening to Christians here in the world today. They're looking at the trouble on the left and the trouble on the right. I mean, you could carry this even farther. The trouble before and the trouble behind. And no one is looking up for their answer. They're all looking left and right. Ain't nobody looking up for their answer. Well, this isn't fair. We should, you know, this should be changing. I'm not talking about just Christians. I'm talking about also the world. They're all looking left and right. They're all looking for their answer to come in there. They're, you know, that somebody gave them the right pronoun or they could call themselves whatever they wanted to or they could do whatever they wanted to or they could have any kind of whatever ever and then they could do all that to satisfy their flesh and nobody looking up where the answer is, where the glory cloud is, where the pillar of fire is, where the angel are. Hello? They're all looking left and right trying to let man satisfy man and if you man's trying to satisfy man, you're never going to get satisfied. That's why I've told y'all this whole thing. I've told y'all in the beginning, you know, before anything ever got going, that this is not a battle going on in the United States between uh, parties. It's about good and evil. It's about God and the enemy. It's, uh, it's all it is. Get your head on straight. Get to be looking right. Get to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, seeing things as they truly are. Quit looking at politics. Quit looking to men to think that they're going to change. Quit looking to people and say, oh, we're going to elect a good president and he's going to take care of everything. Look to Jesus. Amen. And if you look to Jesus, then you're going to always be satisfied. There's no other way. There's no other way. When you have a problem in life, you have a, 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 a whatever the issue may be, look to Jesus. Look up. Quit looking left and right. Quit looking to your friend to come give you comfort. Quit looking for somebody to have your answer with you on this level. Look up to the other level and get your answer. Man, we need to hear from heaven today. You can't live your life by, you know, your friends around you patting you on the back. You've got to live your life by hearing from heaven and knowing what God is telling you to do. Okay, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's get over to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. I would like to thank. I can't guarantee it because it wasn't there. But I'd like to think that if I'd have seen Jesus raise the dead, if I'd have been with him walking along when he went into the city of Nain and touched the coffin and the dead boy got up, when I'd seen him heal blind Bartimaeus' eyes, when I'd uh, you know, seen all the miracles that he did, that when the time came when they came in the garden to get him, I wouldn't have been smart enough to know what was going on. I would have tried to defend. I'd like to think I'd have cut more than an ear off somebody. Hello? I'd like to think I wouldn't have run. I don't know. Wasn't there. All right. But today, we Christians, we tend to look to the left and the right rather than looking up pretty quick, pretty easy. But let's look at this now. Hebrews 9, 6. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest, this is, let me tell you what we're reading. Because I'm just reading this and it'll just go over your hammer. And I don't want that to happen. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is explaining what I just explained to you about the tabernacle, but he's showing us now what really took place. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, he's talking about the tabernacle, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But under the second part, the high priest went once a year, not without blood. Now, the tabernacle had, had three parts. There was the outer court. There was the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. The outer court was where every person came offering their sins. That's where you drug your sheep, all right? And then there were priests out there, and they were, they were doing all the animal sacrifices, okay? That was in that area that all could get to the outer court. Then the inner court was 
where there were other certain altars and, uh, that had to have incense done on them and things like that. And then there was only a section of the Levitical priest could go in there. But in the Holy of Holies, in the center of the center, was where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was, behind a veil, behind a thick, thick, thick veil that, that only the high priest went into once a year. And he went in there with fear because if he went in there and they hadn't done the ceremonies right leading up to it, the presence of God would kill him. Okay? So the high priest did not like the Day of Atonement because he mean you couldn't get anything wrong. And he had to make sure everything was right. So this is what it's talking about. In the second part, the high priest went once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. In other words, the high priest had to do all these cleansing rituals for himself because he knew he was a man and he knew he was imperfect and he knew he couldn't stand in the presence of God. For it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and the sacrifices are offered, <clears throat> which cannot make him who performs the service perfect in regard to the conscience. In other words, you can go and you can do all the things you're supposed to do on the outside, but you can't cleanse his thinking. Concerned only with foods and drinks and various washings and with fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of the Reformation. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come. Everybody say good things. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered into the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and the sprinkling of unclean sanctifies and purifies, purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through et the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, here you got to see this. We know that, that the tabernacle that was constructed was a pattern of the real that was already in heaven. Now, when Jesus died, remember when he married, meets him in the garden, he said, don't touch me, I'll be out and ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Okay, he went up to heaven and he took his blood and he poured his blood out once and for all on the mercy seat that is in heaven. Not the one on earth, but the one in heaven. He poured the blood out once. To cry out for every one of us that you had a free way to come in to the presence of God. Because Jesus, his blood, covered our sins. Whoo, man, listen to this. And no longer like the high priest did you have to go through all these rituals and ordinances and all these things in order to come into the presence of God. But his blood said you could come into the presence of God whenever you wanted to if you were a believer in him. Hmm. <laughs> now here's this place this holy of holies that no one dared go into you didn't man the high priest anytime he pulled that veil back and had to go in there he was scared he was going to die that they were going to sweep him up in a dustpan 
Nobody in the Levitical priesthood wanted to go into the Holy of Holies. The people didn't even want to get in the presence of God and go in there because, man, who are you? I'm not even of the Levitical priesthood. I can't go in there. It was this place, folks. It was, I mean, it was fear, but it wasn't reverent fear. Y'all with me? It was like, golly, don't go over there. You'll die. It's like having a lion in a hole and you know he's going to eat you if you walked in the cave. But Jesus said, hey, no, no problem now. You remember when Jesus in Matthew 28 tells us that when, when Jesus was crucified, that the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom, threw open. Now there's a new way to go in there. Ephesians 2 tells us that, man, the wall of separation that was between us and God is gone because of what Jesus did for us. There was this supernatural act that took place when Jesus arose from the grave, opening up a way for every one of us to walk into the Holy of Holies with boldness. A whole new order had been put in place. We can look back at the old order, the tabernacle and everything they did, and we can, we can glean from it. But there was a new way done. There was a brand new way. Let me read it to you here. Um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. I'm excited. Sorry. Can't help it. Hebrews 6, 17. Thus God determined to show more, the abundant, more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that there were two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The hope, he says, look, don't you understand what's saying? If you're a believer in Jesus, our hope is what anchors us to the ground, keeps us from being blown over and blown away by the, the winds of the world and the, the lies and the, the, you know, all kinds of things that are taking place in the world, all the stuff going on. It, it, keeps us, it keeps us steadfast. It anchors us. It's our hope. And our hope is, is that behind, we get to go behind the veil. Matter of fact, that's the title of this message, Behind the Veil. We get to go behind the veil. We get to walk into the Holy of Holies. Now, you may be thinking, well, preacher, that sounds good, but, you know, (laughs) that's the job of the preacher. You go do that. Well, you're wrong. Jesus didn't die just for me to go behind the veil. He died on the cross and poured his blood out on the mercy seat for all of us to go behind the veil. To all of us to be able to go and to meet with God face to face. Supernatural event. So do you realize that when you pray and you don't feel like you reached heaven... You don't touch heaven. When you are are, are living your life and you don't feel like God's with you, well, then how much you're being deceived because I'm reading what the Word of God says to you, you have the ability to go behind the veil. Maybe you've just got the shower curtain. You ain't got past the veil. He says that this is so powerful that he swore and gave himself an oath that it was going to be ours. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 
says, but it is written, I has not seen or ears heard, nor is it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed, in verse 10 says, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So I'm telling you this morning, God has greater things revealed for you. God has greater things for you than you can imagine. God has greater things for you than you've seen or heard. And it's behind the veil. But it's okay. Because you can go behind the veil. It's not really hidden from you. It's just not seen when you look left or right. It's seen when you look up. When your faith is in the world, faith is in your strength, faith is in your abilities, faith is within your talents, you're looking left and right, and you're not going to see the veil. But when you start looking up, and you start saying, man, all i got to do is get in the presence of God. When I get in the presence of God, everything's going to be okay. Now, the truth of the matter is, the presence of God's all over the face of the earth. It's all over everything, everywhere. Truth of the matter is, there's angels in here this morning. The power and presence of, of the Lord is in here this morning. You don't see it with your natural eyes, but as soon as you start looking up, you see it. As soon as you start worshiping, you feel his presence. What's the difference? Where you got your eyes? You see, that was, that's what blows uh, <clears throat> people's minds that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Is they're like, that's too, that's silly. You mean if you just put your faith in Jesus and it's all okay, he'll do it. And I'm like, yes. Well, that's crazy. I need to see something. I need to touch something. I need to, where is this veil? Can I go to Mecca and pull the veil back and there's God? Can I, you know, where is the ark? I, yeah, if you show me an ark, if you show me the tabernacle, you show me that, then I could go and see it. But the truth of the matter is, that's what faith is. It says our hope is what anchors us because our hope is what goes behind the veil. I'll give you another scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The only way you're going to get this revelation that I'm talking about this morning is to go over the scriptures and look at what it says until you believe that what it says is true. Can you imagine going to Jesus and Jesus saying, well, why didn't you do this? And you said, well, Lord, I, you know, I didn't see you. I didn't see anything like about that. And he said, well, I gave it to you in my word. I told you, wrote it down, wrote it down to a letter and sent it to you. You didn't follow the instructions. Well, I, I mean, I, I knew you wrote a Bible, but, you know, I mean, some people just said that men just drank too much tequila, and that's when they wrote the Bible, and I didn't know if I really believed it. Huh. Uh. It's like my wife the other day. I asked her, said, where's something in the icebox? She said, it's in there. I open up the icebox. I'm standing there. I'm looking. Doors open. I'm looking. And so I say to her, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. She comes and stands right beside me. And I looked at her and said, can you see it? She said, yes. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. She said, oh, my gosh. And I said, don't tell me. We're both staring at the same thing. She can see it plain as day. I can't see it. I don't know why there's fridge blindness, but there is. <laughs> to a person who, who you've been behind the veil and you've been in the presence of God, you're sitting out here this morning saying, amen, preacher, keep on preaching. To those of you that may have never heard or never been in the presence of God or never worshipped at your house or never sat there and took time to walk behind the veil, you're sitting there saying, well, pastor, 
That sounds a little, <laughs> little twilight zone, little voodoo hoodoo. No. I'm just reading you what the Word says. You're not going to have a revelation if you, unless you know what the Word says and you can't base your faith on anything except what the Word says. And if you're basing your faith on anything else than what the Word says, then you're in the wrong place. Only revelation you're going to get is what the Word says. Now let me give you another scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Huh. Isn't this what he's talking about? Isn't this what he's all that I've been saying this morning? Spelled out right here. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. See, it's not the old way. It's not the old order. It's not the old way that things were done. It's not that. It's the new way. It's a new living way. Which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Okay, so he says, wait a minute. So what Jesus did in the flesh gave us the ability to go through the veil. Is that what we're saying here? Y'all with me? Y'all just scared to shake your head or anything. Come on, I'm just telling you. It says right there plainly that in his flesh, what he did in his flesh, what did he do in his flesh? He went to the cross. He died for us. Took the stripes on his back for our healing. He took the, his blood, ran down the cross for our sins to be forgiven. Hello? Why? So we could go behind the veil. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So then if you want to write this down, because I'm not going to labor on it, there's eight points right there of how you're going to enter behind the veil. First one is you're going to enter boldly, because it's not you, it's his blood. Second one is... It's a new and living way. You have to realize it's a new way. It's not the Old Testament way. It's a new way. The third one is you have to realize Jesus is the high priest. He's the high priest. The one who bought and paid for you, he's the high priest. He's calling the shots. If he says his blood's enough, then his blood's enough. I don't need to question it. I don't need to know, Lord, is it your blood and something else I should bring? The fourth one is a true heart. The fifth one, he said you had to be full of faith. The sixth one is you had to have a clean heart. The seventh one is you had to hold fast your confession, the word, speaking the word. And then the eighth one is not really something to enter. It's just what happens when you get there. God is faithful to meet you. That's what it said in those verses. Go with me. Okay, now let me read you one last scripture. I say that. Let me make sure. Yeah. Only one more. Matthew 26, 26. Matthew 26, 26. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. What did it say? Back up here in, in Hebrews 10, that he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest... That it was the flesh of Jesus that tore down the veil that went in there. Then Jesus is having communion, teaching them to have communion. And he said, this bread represents my body. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them. Said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. 
Do you see what I'm saying here? He took Jesus before he ever went to the cross. He sat down and he took this communion supper we're about to partake of. And he, he, he broke it with the disciples. And they were looking left and right, not up. And didn't realize what Jesus was saying. They were over there poking John, who's laying on the breast of Jesus, trying to get him to figure out who was the one that was going to forsake them, why they're just chewing their old pita bread on the side, not thinking about what Jesus was really doing because they, they couldn't see it. Y'all with me? See, it's so easy to look hindsight. It's so easy to look back and you read the Scripture and say, oh, those silly, silly people. They couldn't understand this. But when it's you and we're having to look forward, we're like, ah, what's happening? What's going on? How do I do this? I'm supposed to enter behind the veil. What veil? Where? Right? I mean, I'm telling you, folks, listen to me. I'm preaching from not somebody that was born in church. Well, I was born in church, but no, I wasn't born in church. I was raised in church. Like I heard a preacher the other day saying that he had lived his whole life in revival, that he was, grew up and his father was an evangelist and everywhere he went a preacher was just getting saved in those old songs. He, I, no, 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 that wasn't me, all right? And I, I, I wasn't, I, I had so many things to learn and so many things when I read this, it did not make any sense to me because I never heard the verbiage. I didn't know what was taking place. And when I would go to pray, oh, I'd go try to pray. I'd just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I mean, am I supposed to fold my hands? Am I supposed to be kneeling? Can I sit on the edge of the bed? Uh, uh, you know, how? I don't know. Right? Are y'all with me? And then I remember I remember re- listening to a preacher preach a message, you know, can you not tarry with me one hour? And this big sermon on can you, you know, pray in an hour? And I'd go pray, and I'd look down, three minutes went by, and I was like, I'm out of words. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And it's just kind of awkward, and you're just kind of like, ooh, it's kind of like waiting for the dentist. <laughs> right? Nobody's comfortable in the dentist office. If there is, there's something not right with you, I'm telling you. God bless you. I'll pray for you and help you. But, I mean, if you can be relaxed at the dentist office, I mean, I get anxious even knowing I have to go. And then by the time I'm there, they check my blood pressure. Oh, your blood pressure is elevated. And it's like, Really? I know what you're going to do. Take it in a minute when you get that thing in my mouth. See what it is. Taking me to a near-death experience. But we don't know, see? And we, we, we like, we grope around in the dark trying to find God, but we got to understand something. You have to do it by the word. And if you just follow the instructions that Jesus gave us and put your faith in it, you can have the experience of, of being in the presence of God every day of your life. By simply understanding Jesus already bought and paid for you. It's your, his blood that takes you in behind the veil into this holy of holies with God. That he's instituted a, a, a service called communion. That you can get a better understanding of his body that's broken for you and his blood that's shed for you. And that you can go and you can sit down and you don't have to really say anything. The greatest revelation I ever got in life, when the very first time I had prayed, folks, you don't understand how hard I had prayed. You got to understand, I thought at first, I, I, you know, that maybe, maybe there was things in my house that wouldn't, wouldn't, wasn't 
pleasing to God. So I did a purge of my house, which, you know, wasn't a bad thing. But, I mean, I drug everything. At any book that I even thought that might not be pleasing the presence of God, I drug it outside. I dug a hole in my front yard. It's the truth. I got out. I dug a hole in my front yard. I built a bonfire. I burned all this stuff right in my front yard. And I prayed and I prayed and I sought God. I said, oh, God, I just want to see you. I just want to talk to you. And I never forget God. Boom, right inside of When I, my eyes were closed, it was as if I could see print going right over my eyes, Psalms 4. I was like, oh, my gosh. I can see Psalms 4 in my head. I don't know why I'm thinking about Psalms 4. I see Psalms 4. Get my Bible. I read it. It says, be quiet and sit on your bed and listen for me. That's what it says. Psalms 4 says that. So you know what I did? I wasn't on my bed. So I ran up to my bed and sat down. And shut up. And as I sat there just saying, okay, here I am. I'm faithful servant Robert sitting here. Then God spoke to me. Because I shut up finally. I quit trying to push the envelope. I keep, quit trying to pry the doors open. I quit trying to do things or works or this or that. I finally shut up. And God spoke. And I was like, wow, I guess I was just speaking too much. So prayer can be you being quiet. You said, did you hear the big audible voice of God, Robert, this is the Lord. No, still saw a small voice right inside my heart. Wasn't a whole big, like, you know, chapter. It was just simply, I got you. Everything's under control. Just keep following me. Peace came in my heart. I felt his presence, felt his love. That was going behind the veil, church. It's available to you every day. All you have to do is take the time to do it. The blood's already paid the price for you. You're going to come here in just a minute. You're going to take communion, and you've got to understand that broken piece of bread is the body of Christ that already paid the price for you to get you behind the veil. That blood is the covenant that we have this new and living way that says when you repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to wash you and cleanse you in his blood. That's what this is all about. It's about you being so, I mean, shiny, sparkling, polished up because you've repented you've asked him to forgive you you're walking with him and then boom you step into his presence and he speaks to you have you ever talked to somebody and they're asking you a question but you can't give them the answer because they won't be quite long enough for you to tell them hello let's just put that in god's lap and say it's kind of the way we are sometimes with him he'd like to tell us but we can't we won't be quite long enough because we think if we're not talking we're not having prayer if we're not talking and telling him what we need and what he needs to do for us and what his word says and trying to hold him down to his word, and you said this and you're going to do it, and, da, 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 and, and, and if we just be quiet, we might hear from heaven. Because, see, we forget that 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that we are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives and dwells on the inside of us. So the Holy of Holies is in you. So you don't have to go off to some foreign land to find the tent to get in through the veil. It's in you. You're carrying his presence all the time with you if you're born again. Amen? So if you're watching or you're listening in here and everything I said sounds good, but you don't know if you're right with God, well, then the Bible's real simple. It says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior because he's the only one that paid the price and you make him your Lord and Savior, then you know what? You can come on back behind the veil. You say, well, how do I know? If you even have to ask me, you don't know. Because if you're born again and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you know it down in here. I know I'm not perfect. 
Nobody has to ask me that. Robert, are you perfect? Nobody has to ask me that question. I'm not. Somebody says, Robert, are you saved? I say, you bet you I am. It's not because of my question, you know, I'm perfect and I did everything right and I know I got all my P's and Q's and all my I's dotted my T's crossed. No, no, it's because I know what Jesus did for me. And he said, if I believed in him as my Lord and Savior, that he would come and I would become the tabernacle of God. I would become the temple of the living God, that he'd come and live and dwell in me. And I know he's in there. Now, does that mean I got everything straight? No, I'm an idiot. I can get mad. I can lose it. I can do stupid things. I can have stupid thoughts. I can waste and spend time on emotional energy on things I shouldn't be doing. And I should just be, be, be walking in peace. And I didn't let peace get to me because I listened to some lying devil. And he just poked me just right and got me stirred up. And I'm off to the races. But always come around. Always come around. And then I repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I ran off on a tangent. Shouldn't have done it. Got mad. Got emotional. Shouldn't have done that. Should have kept my mouth shut. I repent. That's why we have communion. But if you're not sure about it, that's why in just a minute we're going to have prayer people up here. And you can just walk up there before you take communion and say, just pray with me. And they'll lead you through a sinner's prayer. You can have Jesus come in. You can have a miracle take place right here. It can become supernatural right here. The Spirit of God will come and live in your heart. Then you can step back and take communion and realize you're going behind the veil. Amen? Amen. So let me let y'all, y'all close your Bibles and, and, and get ready and start thinking about what the Holy Spirit's saying to you in your heart. Can I have my pastoral team and those that are helping me serve communion this morning and come down? So those of you watching, you're at home and you've got your communion elements there. As I go through this, you just feel free to to take and, and, and partake and be a part of this with us. But I mean, I just read the scriptures to you. And when Jesus, on the night that he's betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, now take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. So we've got just a, a little piece of bread here, but you've got to understand the power behind this, what Jesus did for you. His body is what took you behind the veil. His body that was broken brings healing to your life. Amen? And then he took the cup. And he said, this cup, it's a new covenant. Not the old covenant where it's full of ordinances and all these things you had to do, but a new cup, a new way, a new living way going behind the veil through his blood. That said, if you believe in Jesus, and you repent, his blood's there to give you forgiveness and make you right and make you complete. So, Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your blood and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Okay, church, come on. Receive your miracle today. Stand to your feet, church, and just lift your hands and your hearts to the Lord. And just tell him, I exalt you, O Lord. There is none like you. Jesus, we praise you and thank you that you made a way through the veil. We had no chance, no chance, no chance. But you made a way through the veil. 
that we could come to you, Lord, this day and enter the presence of God and walk in your power, walk in your victory, walk with you, Lord. And so we stand here today, Lord God, as an humble people. We just stand here today, Lord, as an humble people before you and say, Lord, we exalt thee. We exalt you, O God, for you are God. Jesus, you have made a way where there was no way. So, Lord, I thank you that as we go out today and go out into this world that's hurting and this world that's dark and this world that is only looking to the left and the right, we go out, Lord God, to tell people to lift up their eyes into the heavens. To look unto you, O Lord, which is their help. To look to you, Jesus, for their answer. And Lord, we just thank you that you're going to be right there in the midst of them. So Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. And I thank you for your presence with them every day. And Lord, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now look at that people around you before you really tear off out of here and leave and encourage one another. Come on, tell them God's got you, man. He's going to take care of you. And church, just stay in the presence of the Lord and be blessed. In Jesus' name.